Welcome to the Quilting Company Podcast, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilting. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy-Tay. Today on the podcast, our conversation is all about free motion quilting. First up, we'll be talking about our personal level of free motion experience, and after that... We have the amazing Carly Porter, who is joining us via Skype. She's an award-winning quilter, she's a teacher, and she's the mastermind behind Honest Fabric. And in our Fine Finishes segment, we are going to discuss when it is time to break down and just go ahead and buy the long arm. Pretty exciting topics. You'll want to stick around to the end of the podcast because Ginger has a special treat for everyone with a nice little offer. So stay tuned. So, okay, ladies, nice to see you again. Hi. Let's talk about free motion quilting. I want to say first, just in case, does everybody know what free motion quilting is? Free motion quilting is when you disengage the feed dogs and you drive the fabric with your hands under the needle and let it quilt. Which is different from, say, using your walking foot. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Ginger, you're up. What's your experience with free motion quilting? And understand we know that you are relatively new to the world of quilting. It utterly terrifies me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I was a control freak until I tried to do free motion quilting. And, it, you know, if it didn't go exactly where I wanted, I, I would just be like, oh, it's terrible. It's horrible. So my fear is I do this beautiful piece, to, you know, quilt top. I go to put it and I do the free motion. And if I don't like it, I'm stuck with it. And, and so I have very limited experience. Um, I was lucky enough to have Lori actually uh, put me on a long arm the first time I had ever done one. And um, she really helped. Like, she helped put me at ease and, you know, just giving me those nice, simple tips. But I haven't really done much of the free uh, motion quilting, so I'm really looking forward to, like, asking you guys a lot of questions. So (laughs) tell me, how do I get over this fear? What do I do? Mm, And that's a good question for me, too, because honestly, when I learned to quilt, I learned to hand quilt. And I've had many starts and stops over the years of attempting free motion And I had a loaner machine for a while that had a stitch regulator. And that was probably the most liberating experience Mm -hmm. I've ever had because I didn't really have to think about how fast my hands were moving versus how uh, much pressure I was putting on the foot pedal. Um, And I've literally taken two classes one was with Lisa Sipes, okay. who's an amazing quilter, and then the second was with Carly. Mm-hmm. And that was a little um, intimidating. I think both of those experiences were intimidating because most of the people in the classes were way more advanced than I was. Um, but I will tell you, I have a stack. I ran home to get one of my Carly samples, and I meant to count how many quilt tops I have. I think... There are at least 10 waiting for quilting. Oh, wow. And do you <laughs> intend to quilt them yourself, Tracy? I do. I'm saving for my retirement. Cool. Um, no. Awesome. No, not really, but um, but that's my goal. So my goal is to start finishing things up. I've been with the move, organizing things. They're all in the same place. Um, 
they're all in different, like I've got a bunch of tops and then I actually over the weekend found a bunch of other projects like this one that I have that I'll show a picture of on the show notes page um, that I took the class with Carly and basically it's just what I did in the class and I never went and finished it up. And so now after seeing Lori's sample, mm-hmm. I need to finish <laughs> it up and bind it because it'll, oh, be, yeah. it'll, it'll be done then. And then there's not much left to do. What about you, Lori, Miss Quilting okay. Expert? So I've been quilting for 20 plus years, seriously quilting. I'm fairly frugal. That sounds better than say, saying cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always quilted my own quilts. Mm-hmm. And uh, until just a year and a half ago, I didn't have a long arm. So I was quilting everything on my domestic machine. And I got good at it. Yeah. In fact, I thought until I saw Carly's work that I was really good. Um, free motion quilting is something that, Ginger, you have to practice. Um, mm-hmm. I recommend like a 10-inch square and just play around on it. When I teach people to free motion quilt, I tell them you need to do something where your brain knows where you're going next. So write cursive on your quilt. Oh, yeah, I know how to write my name, so I don't have to decide am I going right or left next. You need to keep the speed of your machine constant and the speed of your hands constant. And once you get that, it's it's really not that scary. Yeah, I love the idea of if I have like a, a template or just something in front of me that I can use to – it is, and it's so funny. I always thought I was like so loose and free and this and that. And then when I tried it, I was like, I just don't like it, and I like having that structure. And so I know when I go, because I've quilted all of my own quilts, I just keep it super simple. I'll do like just diagonal lines across, you know, just something to keep it together. Right. So the thought – and it does. It restricts you so much. And I would love to just really, you know, just bring my quilts – to life and and so I'm going to get over this fear I am I'm going to do it <laughs> some of the really good free motion quilters recommend doodling like with mm-hmm. a pencil and yes. paper because again that, that teaches your brain where you need to go next so it's easier to make it work with your hands in the sewing machine. Mm-hmm. I, I think we do that a lot in our meetings here, if oh, you notice. Yeah. Uh, we're on a conference call and we're all in the conference room. Most of us have a pad and paper and we're doodling and we're doodling free motion quilting. Nice. Or applique designs yeah, or if you're Aaron. Designs, yes. Well, and it's amazing because it's so funny. I know for Carly, that's, she was a master doodler. Like that's oh where it all kind of started. So yeah. that's why I think it's, it's really amazing. funny that, uh, you know, that, that, that we're talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> and Ginger, I would love to give you just one little bit of advice from what I've learned, which is save some of those quilting, free motion quilting things that you've done and you thought were terrible Mm -hmm. and look at them either a few days later or even a few months later Mm -hmm. if it's a sample and pull it out because I can't even tell you how many times I have done something and thought it was terrible and go back and look at it and I'm like huh not that bad um, and so, you know, I will, I'm actually going to show my samples. Lori has a finished quilt, of course, and you'll be able to see the difference between us both doing sort of a similar thing. Mm-hmm. My 
clearly I was a novice and actually I had two pieces that were done on the same day and you can tell when you look at them side by side that one I was getting a little more comfortable the first one is a little bit like you could see stop and start and all that but I can still look at these and go huh not bad okay I want to see. I want to see. I know. I know. (laughs) All right. So why don't we go on to open studios and let's chat with Carly. It's going to be an exciting day because all three of us know her pretty well. So let's go to Carly. All right. Well, we have an exciting guest today. The incomparable Carly Porter is joining us today via Skype. If you don't know Carly's work, which I hate to say, you're probably living under a rock. (laughs) (laughs) She is the mastermind behind graffiti quilting, as well as Honest Fabric. She's an award-winning quilter and an amazing teacher. I could speak from personal experience because I've taken a class with her. Welcome, Carly. Hey, thanks for having me. You are very welcome. When we uh, were coming up with the idea for this particular show, I think all of us said Carly. Yep. Right? Yep. yep. First person came to First all person. of our minds, I yep. think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First person that came to mind was you. So um, why don't you tell our listeners about how you started quilting? Okay, well... So I think my my first experience with quilting, I was really young. I was probably six or seven years old. And I remember my mom and her best friend and my aunt and my grandma came over to my house and they pushed all of the couches to the wall and they got out this big two by four frame mm-hmm. and they would just spend all day tying quilts. So I think technically, like if you don't want to be a snob, that is, totally counts as quilting, even though it was just tying quilts. So I remember that as a young girl, my mom would, you know, she'd say, okay, Carly, I'm ready for you. And I would climb under the frame and she would put the needle down to those areas that were really hard to reach. And so I would pull the needle through and then stick it back up and she would pull the needle back again. And I knew that she, I mean, I knew she loved me anyways, but I knew that she specifically loved me because at the end she would let me cut all of the ties after. (laughs) That was like the most satisfying part. So I remember (laughs) as a young kid, you know, my mom was, my mom was an, is an amazing um, seamstress. Like she made all of my, um, all of our bridesmaids quilts. When my oldest sister got married, there's six girls and she made all of our (sighs) bridesmaids quilts and bridesmaids dresses. And so she's, you know, she's always known her way around a sewing machine. And so she would teach me little things here and there. I can't remember how many needles I've broken by making bean bags. <laughs> and finally, she told me to lay off the quilting or off of the sewing machine a little bit. Um, so that was kind of my experience with quilting. Um, and, and throughout school, I was always interested in art. I knew from a very young age that I would be an artist somehow. I just didn't know what that would be when I was an adult. And um, so I did all of the art classes through middle school and high school, and I went to college for um, graphic design. And actually, right after I uh, graduated high school is when I kind of got, I'd like to say I got thrown in the deep end of the quilting industry because um, my first experience with a quilting machine was actually at a job interview for Handy Quilter, (laughs) which I didn't know (laughs) anything about them at the time. I was just you know, right out of school looking for a full-time job and they were hiring and they had health benefits and (laughs) I was trying to put my husband through school. And so um, they're actually about a half an hour from where I grew up. 
And so when I went in for my job interview, you know, the production manager was like, okay, we're, you're going to be testing these machines. And so, so my kind of first experiences with machine quilting were spending 40 hours a week quilting the same designs over and over again while I was testing the machine. See, that's so, a way to learn. Practice. <laughs> yep. yeah. You know, so it was really a baptism by fire. I was really forced to keep my hands on a quilting machine for a good eight hours a day. And, um, I did other positions within their company over the over the five and a half years that I worked for them, um, but the first probably nine months were just straight quilting. So um, my husband was going to school at the time, and so I would go to work and I would quilt out all the designs that you did for testing, and then I would go home and quilt all the designs that were in my head that I had been drawing for years. And so that's kind of how graffiti quilting was born: was putting all of the artwork that I had done you know, previous years through middle school and high school from um, pen and paper, applying it to fabric and thread. So, yeah, that's kind of the elevator speech of how I got <laughs> So was the, um, was your style of art and drawing uh, based on graffiti in high school? It was really heavily referenced. I, so I grew up in, I grew up in Utah and the city I grew up in is called Ogden, which is about 40 minutes north of Salt Lake City. And I don't know so much if this is the case now, but as a kid, it really had a reputation for being kind of like the ghetto part of Utah, um, if that even exists in Utah. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of those influences of like breakdance battles and lowrider cars and mariachi music and graffiti so it was just kind of the culture that I was immersed in as a kid was kind of that like gangster type <laughs> culture all right real quick I don't know what this says about me but I actually honeymooned in Ogden it was like in my honeymoon trip where I had gone through it we went skiing at a place right near there so it's hilarious I'm gonna have to tell my husband we, we honeymooned yeah, in the ghetto me. of, of, of Utah. <laughs> You know, well, in Ogden, it gets a bad rap for from people who don't live there. Like, I think if you if you've lived there, it's not a scary place by any means. It's just, you know, so. So, yeah, so that was kind of the influences that I had in high school. I had, um, you know, a lot of friends who were into the graffiti style. And that was something that really intrigued me, too. I think one thing that really drew me to it is that with graffiti, the the work always speaks for itself. And that's something that I've always really wanted and strive for in my own work is I don't want to have to say, Hey, I did this. I want my work to say, Hey, Carly did that. And people recognize it because there's a distinct style. Um, just like in graffiti, you know, like you, or if you have seen graffiti, um, like I have, like I can pick out a Shepherd Fairy piece or a Banksy piece or like these um, prominent graffiti artists. I wanted that kind of same voice within my own art. And so um, a lot of my uh, reason for doing graffiti quilting came out of kind of being rebellious and wanting to try to stand out within the quilting industry. So I think it worked. <laughs> it worked, and I love graffiti quilting. I, well, first of all, I love graffiti. Um, I just think it's really a wonderful art form, and I like graffiti quilting a lot. I really enjoy your work, Carly. Oh, thanks. That makes me happy. You know, and that's something that I really wanted as well as um, I felt like when I got into the quilting industry, like when I discovered that quilt guilds existed and like these clubs of people who are all about quilting 
um, sometimes it was really easy for me being a really young, early 20s person of feeling like there wasn't space for me. And so instead of trying to fit into molds or trying to fit into guilds that were obviously not uh, my people, I thought, I'm just going to make that space for myself. So I feel like every time someone like Lori, you know, like you say, you like graffiti quilting, that makes me happy because I feel like there's things for everybody, even if it's not everyone's cup of tea. I wanted to just make a space for myself and for other people who may not be super interested in the very traditional types of quilting. So, yeah. So when you talk about how you you wanted to create that space so that it was recognizable that you made this particular quilt, how how did it feel to teach other people to do that? Did that seem like a natural step? Was there any hesitation on your part when you thought about teaching other people to do it? Um, yes and no. Like, I, I feel like my hesitation always came from insecurity. It always came from this place of, like, fear of acceptance. I feel like in my heart, it was like, I was feeling this is something I should share. This is something that I think people might like, you know, like whenever you make a piece of art that you're proud of, the first thing you want to do is show people. And so I think every time I had hesitations, it was because sometimes I just showed my work to the wrong people mm. and it wasn't accepted. And so there, there's always, I think even still, I have hesitations with everything I do, but I've learned to recognize where my apprehensiveness comes from mm -hmm. and most of the time it comes from a place of fear and anxiety and so I try not to give in to that and I just kind of say you know what this is what I like and if you don't like it then keep scrolling <laughs> <laughs> well have you been able so, to go and show what you've done because you've had tons of success now so have you been able to go back to any of those people and you know change their minds I mean what do you mean by go back to them? Like I mean, have actual conversations? Yeah, or even just come across them, you know, in, in passing at it Gills or, you know, any of those other places. Have any of them, you know, have you, have you been able to share that, you know, your successes? I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I feel like my work has gotten to the place where it speaks for itself. And it's now just where the people who were naysayers at the beginning, they just don't naysay anymore but they're <laughs> but they're they're also not the same people that are like you know what I was wrong there mm. is space for you here <laughs> so I it's okay though like I, I feel like in this industry it's kind of all about finding your tribe and finding people who support you and love your work and recognizing that there's people who don't and that's okay too so I mean whenever I think about those naysayers I just think Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure they saw my Instagram post when I was in Scotland or England or <laughs> Ireland or Norway or Australia or Canada teaching graffiti quilting to people. So I feel like that's enough closure for me is I know that they see that it's doing well and that's like all of the satisfaction I need. <laughs> well, it makes me feel good to know you have insecurities because when I look at your work and I'm like, oh, oh my yeah. God, oh my I would gosh. never think you're insecure at all. Oh, so that I'm like, well, all right, good. <laughs> it makes me feel human. Well, you know, I feel like I did get the luxury of not having to show my very early work to anybody. You know, like those nine months that I spent constantly running a quilting machine are just, you know, the same designs over and over again that would end up getting cut up and donated to humanitarian centers so it's like I don't even have a lot of early work 
that will show how bad I was at the beginning. So I'm lucky that I get to kind of just show my highlight reel when I teach and when I speak, I get to show the best parts. But of course I have those terrible beginnings because everybody, everybody has Mm -hmm. those. I'm totally not exempt from it, you know? And sometimes people will say, oh, I just, I just could never do what you do. And I'm like, all you have to do is spend nine months, 40 hours a week practicing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe not have a social life. I'm a life little bit a little envious. Bit. I really am a little bit envious because because I think in my in our industry, we we talk a lot about quilting. We write a lot about quilting. I, I, Lori has a lot more time to spend quilting because I still have, you know, young one at home. Um, but... But we do a lot less quilting than I think people think. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think it would be it would be a luxury in some ways. Like I would be thrilled to be able to work sew for 40 hours a week and actually, yeah. it, you know, get my skills up to a point like yours. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. and, I, and I have to say, having taken a class with you, um, it was an amazing experience um, just because you teach using all of the latest technologies that I think a lot of teachers that I've had before didn't have. So for instance, you in in the class I was in, and correct me if I'm wrong if you don't do this every time, but you were in the front of the classroom and there was a a screen behind you and you had your iPad and you you showed how to draw on the iPad what shape Mm -hmm. you were working on. And so then we would all work on that shape and then you would come around and you would give us tips. And at the end of the class, you had recorded all of those shapes that you just drew mm-hmm. for us and basically mm-hmm. played a little reel of how to add on all of the shapes onto this center motif that we had all drawn. And mm-hmm. I think not only did everyone leave that class wanting all of your products, all of the products that they were selling from the, from the store, but also the iPad Pro and the special pen <laughs> and all of the apps that you use to do that because it was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's totally... Ever since the iPad Pro came out, it's really changed my workflow like drastically. And I remember when, after I um, published Graffiti Quilting, the book, um people were starting to say like, hey, come and teach, come and teach for me. And so I started talking to other quilting teachers who have been quilting in the industry for years and years and years and saying like, you know, what's your experience? And they're like, okay, well, you'll have to make sure that whenever you get to the location, you find a print center so that you can print out all of your handouts. And all the students are expecting this and expecting this. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't... (laughs) I don't want to do that. And I think that's another thing that has my intuition has guided me well as a professional in this industry of knowing when to say, I don't want to do that. And oftentimes it's because I have a better idea. And the iPad Pro using that in my classes was a perfect example of that. Now, I have to give credit to my husband because he's a techie, geeky, nerdy computer whisperer. (laughs) And so he, you know, when I said handouts sound dumb, he was like, okay, well, let's figure out something better. And he helped me with that. But yeah, so when I teach a class, all I need is a projector and somewhere to project. And then I plug in my iPad to the projector. And then as I'm drawing, you don't have to worry about my body being in the way. And I get to, I get to face the class and look and make eye contact with people instead of, you know, having my back to them the whole time. And yeah, you're right. The app that I use, it's so awesome because as I draw, 
it records every movement. And then instead of handing every student a binder filled with a bunch of papers that they may or may not want, I can take their email address and email them this video and they can basically replay through the class as if they're there again to get more to get more insight that they may have missed when they were sitting there. So yeah, I'm a huge techie person. I feel like I'm trying, I try all the time to bring more technology into the industry because I feel like, you know, it's quilting. So mm -hmm. of course, most of the techniques are going to be very analog, old school style techniques. And sometimes that makes sense because those are the techniques that work. And sometimes there's easier ways to do things. And so I don't, really care how things have been done for hundreds of years. I just care about how well they work now. <laughs> Carly, so. I want to say something here. Um, I don't have the fancy apps and the fancy computers that you've got, but I had your book. Mm -hmm. And I was totally and completely successful just with your book. So I want to be sure our listeners don't think, oh my gosh, I have to do this and I have to do that. And I'm not very technology savvy, so I can't do what Carly does. Yes, they can. Well, yeah, I'm glad you said that. So yeah, let me clarify a little bit more. So when I teach the classes, I use my iPad, but I definitely don't require anyone to do mm -hmm. their work digitally. So all of my classes are pretty heavily drawing based. And so really a sketchbook and pen is all you need. I prefer to use the iPad because that's how I can project it and sure. show people what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I I, um, I totally encourage everyone to start where they are and use the materials that are comfortable for them. You know, a lot of people will try the iPad and say, ooh, this feels weird. And that's okay. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to be digital and you don't have to be analog too. So um, so, but that makes me happy about the book because that, you know, that of course is the goal is that any level of quilter can pick up the book and get something from it. So, so what do you I'm say to those people that. like me that I can't even draw a straight line hardly? How, how do you talk to somebody who, because I, I consider you an artist for sure, but I'm definitely not like a pen and paper artist at all. Is it possible for somebody who really doesn't have that inborn talent to, to learn what you do? Yes, it is possible because I don't believe it's born talent. Like I, I really like people, I think it's kind of a debate where people will say like, oh, I wasn't born with that. But guess what? I wasn't born knowing how to walk or how to kick a soccer ball or how to play the piano, but I learned it. Right. And so I, I truly believe that anyone can learn to draw or learn to quill or learn to piece. But I am also pretty blunt in saying you got to put in the time you got to put in the work and so I think a lot of times people will say oh I I just can't do it I can't do it you can you can do it <laughs> just set aside five minutes a day just start with five minutes a day and just practice drawing a circle once a day and you will get there it's you know you can start small you can start little but I think that we're born we are all born with potential and capabilities but it's all about harnessing them, just like harnessing the ability to juggle a soccer ball or to play the piano or to cook or to write or to type. So you right. can do it, Ginger. I believe in you. I'm going <laughs> to add that five minutes of Carly uh, you know, time into my, I'll, I'll call it my Carly time. Absolutely. I'll, I'll add that to my schedule. Yeah. All I was thinking you know was just, like Carlyo. Just like Carlyo. Carlyo. <laughs> <laughs> <Carly -o. laughs> 
<laughs> so if someone wants to take a class from you or get one of your books, what, where do they go? What do they do? So you can find everything from me at carlyporter.com. Pretty easy to remember. Um, so with traveling and teaching, that's something I kind of do off and on. I actually just got back from Norway where nice. I taught a three-day workshop. That was really super fun. Um, so I travel periodically, but um, I have a little boy at home and I'm hoping to have more. So my traveling schedule is always a little bit um, patchy. <laughs> um, it's not like I'm constantly traveling. I don't really do like the quilt show circuits or anything like that. Um, but what I have been doing for the last uh, maybe year and a half or two years or so is teaching online interactive classes. And those I feel like are where the magic really happens. So um, you can find out more about those on carlyporter.com. But essentially what it is, is instead of taking a one or two day class in person, where I kind of shove everything down your throat and make you drink from a fire hose for two days, <laughs> it's an online course that's eight weeks long. And so it basically consists of a private Facebook group where I do live videos. So it's kind of like I'm there in your studio with you. And I do a lecture that's usually between an hour and an hour, hour and a half. Um, and that's every other Saturday for eight weeks. And through that course, you have access to those videos, obviously, in the Facebook page. And then that's where you can post questions or post pictures of your progress. And then after the eight-week course is over, I also make sure to leave the Facebook group open for an additional at least three months. They always end up getting left open a lot longer. But I always promise at least three months of um, moderation so that as you're really internalizing the techniques, I'm there for you still. So if, you know, two months later, you're like, I still can't get this design and I have practice, like you said, then I am still right there and I can quickly and easily do a live video again. And I really loved this format because I feel like even though we're all in our own homes, there's a connection that takes place where I can spend more time with each person and I can really help them internalize those techniques. Um, and then when you sign up for a course, you also get an awesome welcome package in the mail that consists of some goodies and some um, like freebie giveaways as well as some homemade caramels. Those are like what I'm known <laughs> for in my neighborhood. And so I send you some of my homemade caramels. So yeah, so those classes, I actually have a new round that's starting September 14th, 2019. And um, I'm teaching three classes. I'm teaching graffiti quilting because everybody loves it and mm -hmm. I always... You know, I, it's always a popular class. And that is a really, really, really good free motion skill builder class. So even if you don't want to do graffiti quilting all the time, you learn tons of techniques in that process. Um, so I highly recommend graffiti quilting just because it's it covers a lot. And it's really a good way to level up your free motion quilting skills. Um, and then I'm also teaching a class called Shimmering Symphony. So that's based on my quilt, which usually when quilters find out who I am, they say, oh yeah, I saw that quilt. I didn't realize it was yours. So that quilt kind of goes viral like every <laughs> every six months or so it goes mm -hmm. viral on Facebook. It does. <laughs> um, so if you haven't seen Shimmering Symphony, if you Google it, it'll be the first image result. Um, but it's a quilt. And with we can a share that club. photo on the, yeah. on the yeah, show Yeah, and it's got page. a piano. So that class is based on that project specifically. So you get included in your packet, the pattern to do that. And then I walk you through how to do that entire quilt. Um, and then the third class I'm teaching is actually based on a new book that is coming out this fall called Hand-Lettered Quilting. And I'm super, super excited for this one. So um, it's based on a lot of the hand lettering techniques that I do and how to apply those to 
fabric and quilting. And it's also a really, really good um, free motion skill builder course. So I teach a lot of free motion filler type techniques um, along with the hand lettering. So yeah, it's I'm excited. I love teaching online because I get to log on and teach and then sleep in my own bed at night. And, <laughs> There's know, something to be to said for that. That you kind know, of goes yeah, along with what Lori nice. was talking about, about writing cursive, that we all know how to write cursive. Mm-hmm. So if you start with something that you know intuitively, it's right. easy to transfer that um, to your free motion. Right. Exactly. Well, Carly, it has been a pleasure to talk to you today. And um, cool. I think we all had, we're, we're chomping at the bit to talk to you today and, and looking forward to this for a while. Oh, well, I'm glad I got to chat. I miss you guys. Oh, I miss yeah. you too. Oh, and you said you were going to have a coupon code. Yes. Oh, thank you for reminding me. So for my online classes, they start September 14th and they run for eight weeks, but registration is open right now. And I have a coupon code for $100 off your tuition price. Wow. And that code is early, E-A-R-L-Y, one zero zero so early 100 and that coupon code was actually supposed to expire july 20th but i'm just gonna go ahead and extend it so it'll be good let's say till the end of july you have till the end of july to use that code and is that all caps all caps early or just um it doesn't matter caps or lowercase Yep, early right. 100. Great. Sweet that is a really oh. sweet deal. Thank you so much, Carly. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. So for our final session here, we're going to talk about when do you give up and just go buy a long arm. I'm going to start because I think my story is really, really funny. <laughs> um, I make a lot of quilts every year. Um, I prefer to make bed-size quilts because I have 10 grandchildren and five children, and they somebody always needs a quilt, and they don't need a wall quilt. They need something to snuggle under and be warm. So I'm making queen-size quilts at a high rate of speed, and again, like I said earlier, I, I'm very frugal. I don't like to spend the money to have somebody else quilt my quilt, so I'm quilting all of these quilts on my domestic machine, And a queen-size quilt on a domestic machine is a lot of weight, and it's hard to maneuver. And I would literally be sore for two or three days after I quilted a quilt from, from my neck clear down to my behind from moving all that weight. And my hands, as I'm getting older, really get sore when I'm free motion quilting for any length of time and, and all of that weight. So about a year and a half ago, we started talking about maybe a long arm was a good idea. (laughs) I was like, I'm about to go out and buy you one myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, the only problem was we lived in a small condo. It had a, a, we just had two bedrooms and my my second bedroom was already full of all of my sewing stuff. There was simply no room for a long arm. So we bought a new house. We we moved in order to get enough room for a long arm. And I'm loving having a long arm. 
well, you were just born to have one. <laughs> right? like, there's no doubt. Like, it actually kind of blew my mind that you didn't already have right, one. Right, right. Uh, because I just assumed, like, because you, the amount that you're uh, you're piling out there, like, I thought for sure you would already have nope. one. Uh so, Tracy, tell me about you. What, what, what do you think? When are you going to give up? Um, are you? <laughs> I No, I think I eventually will. Um, I really hope I eventually will have a long arm. Um, so when I took Carly's class, we actually used sit-down right. um, machines. And it... I went into that class with very low expectations. Um, I've got an autoimmune disorder, so I get I have achy joints. And I thought for sure I was only going to be able to sew for a little while, and then um, I would be achy for days, just like you were right. talking about. Right. And I was shocked at how easy it was. Yeah. I think because everything's so ergonomic, mm-hmm. everything's in the right position, I sewed for hours, and I felt great. And then after that class, I so I was really good friends with the owner of the store, and she bought way too many of the machines and didn't sell all of them and didn't have space in the store. So I got to have one in my house for six weeks. Oh, nice! Wow. It was in the middle of my living room, oh. but um, <laughs> but I I got to practice on it and play on it, and so that was really nice. Now I will backtrack a little bit, and you know, I, for the past since, I guess, 2012, been able to go to market, been able to try most of the brands of long arm machines. And my first few attempts on machines, I thought, oh, man, I'm terrible at this. Because every single time I would start to doodle on a machine, it looked awful. And of course, you know, of course, I'm standing next to the world-class quilters that they have right. flown in right. to demo these amazing machines to show what they can do. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you're I'm, only spending five minutes. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and, and I'm comparing myself to them. And so it took me a while to sort of figure out that really I needed to stop comparing myself to these amazing design, you know, quilters and, and just be where I am. Mm-hmm. And... I tried multiple machines, and every machine felt different. And then when I finally found one that my stitches looked good, like I sat, I was on it, I was taking a class, I went to use it, and I literally tears welled up in my eyes because <laughs> after all of the times I had tried machines, I thought I was just bad at long arming. And then I realized, no, you have to find the right machine. So that's my little tidbit of information. Mm-hmm. If you are in the market for a long arm, go and try them. Go to one of the big quilt shows and go to all the booths that have and just try them and see what feels good. Because what might work for Lori isn't what works for me. And so we're all different. So what about you, Ginger? I definitely have my eye on two things. Uh, one, I would love to get just a sit-down machine that has like a good uh, throat size because that's the thing with the domestic machine that I've got. There's just not enough throat space in there. Um, I know personally I'm never going to be able to afford getting a long arm machine. I don't have the space or the money. Um, so I feel like that would be a good option to get one of those nice sit-down machines that really does have that deep throat Can space. More. Yep. Amazing. And then the other thing I would wish for is I've seen the frames that you can get that you can actually use your domestic machine. So it 
it is. It's just like a, a piping frame that uh, you put your machine on. And I remember seeing that at Quilt Market last year and just was blown away. And it was about the same size as the desk that I have my machine on now. So I was like, all right, these are Doesn't all... Doesn't take up a lot of space. Exactly. Don't t- <laughs> and, and it wasn't as expensive. Like when I found out, I was like, all right, that's pretty reasonable, actually. So those to me are like, you know, good next steps. Um, and, and as soon as I get over that fear of, you know, long arm quilting, you know, I feel like that that'll help me get over it because I think yet again, it'll help me keep control. So I don't have to automatically go and, and, and have all of that. That's cool. Yeah. I like your options. <laughs> I like your options. I do. I think that, you know, we're not in the same place you are, which is you you don't have any kids at home. I, I was going to say, yeah. no kids at home, so we have space and mm-hmm. we have disposable income and yeah. all that? those things. Right? You know, it just makes <laughs> like, such a difference. college on the horizon. Uh, yeah, mm. Exactly. So thank you, guys. Oh, before you leave, I do want to offer up something. I've got a special offer. That's right. So one of the first classes that I ever worked on um, as a producer here with the company was um, we've uh, worked with Sulky a lot, and Eric Drexler has done a Fearless Free Motion uh, series. It's two two courses. I would love to offer up, because they have so much wonderful information in those, a coupon code for everybody to use. So thanks for sticking in here with us. Um, The coupon code is you can go to So Daily TV, and we'll have a link in the notes Mm -hmm. of the uh, podcast um, but it's so daily TV uh, and uh, the code is going to be just podcast 10 all caps and that's it so we'll have a link to that with the uh, uh, coupon code on there and uh, definitely I uh, check it out it, it's amazing and I think hopefully it will help you be a lot more uh, you know engaged successful. yeah successful, successful and, and get over your fear yeah mm-hmm. because I, I've watched it a bunch of times I'm getting there I'm still I'm, <laughs> it's so funny the more I think I can do it I, I just need five to practice. minutes a day yep, that's right my Carly time <laughs> yep exactly <laughs> Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. The Quilting Company Podcast is a production of F&W Media Studios. Our consulting producer is Ron Doyle, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.